Eddie, you're back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. It is Location Weekly. It's episode number 542, recording live on November the 9th. Abriana, how's it going? It's going good, you know. It's getting getting like a little cooler here, uh, you know, getting to the end of, of fall, but um, it's good. And uh, I'm trying to remember like when the... The Braves won the World Series, obviously, since we last recorded. So that's probably been the high. Um, you know, just excited for all of our friends and family in Atlanta. Um, so still can't believe that happened, but it did. And uh, I don't know. That's not not a whole lot going on, but <laughs> just you know, heading into Thanksgiving. Can't believe it's already November our thanksgiving yeah yes your thanksgiving going on with you um you know it's been been a little hectic the last week and uh a little stressful but uh i'm okay and uh you know it's not even st patrick's day yet but we're both wearing green for some reason today so there's that um yeah unplanned unplanned okay. yeah yes. but uh that's good we'll, we'll, we'll go with it um <laughs> and uh yeah so not a lot. Um, we've got a good show for you. Four stories. Uh, one from, uh, you know, close to home for, for Abriana. So we'll, I'll let you kick it off with that. Yeah, I'll go back to my old stomping grounds, not only Atlanta, but uh, my old company, Digital Envoy, um, also known as Digital Element. If you remember, we talked about their acquisition of Outlogic, formerly Xmode, not too long ago, and now they have made another acquisition, um, the analytics side of the business of location science, location sciences. So uh, what does this mean for them? Well, now they can just do more uh, visualization, in essence, um, and analytics around uh, you know, a lot of the data that they have, a lot of the movement data. I think this is more specific probably to the Xmode side of the business, the Outlogic side of the business. But, you know, I think this is interesting because it will offer more uh, reporting capabilities instead of just more of like a raw data play. Um, this is more data, I would say, visualization and, and reporting capabilities so they can provide those insights and analytics to companies and perhaps open them up to some new opportunities outside of ad tech, which is, you know, a substantial piece of the business. So. Uh, you know, they're they're looking at going after like hedge funds, real estate, you know, um, out of home, anything there so that their clients would have access to um, these visualizations and, and not have to share any ad ID or geographic coordinates with them. So, uh, you know, this is something that they're excited about just because it does not have the same type of um, I would say like the challenges that you have around GDPR and opt-in and consent and all of those things, um, you know, but we can, they're still being able to show, uh, you know, measurement, movement, um, that type of information. So, you know, I, I uh, had, a, had a second to, to catch up with Jared Stoller, who's CEO over there and, and asked him like, hey, anything else you kind of want to add? And um, you know, quickly, he just said that this is, you know, exciting for them because obviously being able to provide a GDR compliant visualization, extend their capabilities, um, you know, more into the measurement and movement side of geolocation rather than just, um, you know, the raw data that they're, they're selling today and licensing today. And also they believe that it's going to be a key piece to help companies collect and leverage their own first party data. 
um, in a responsible way and be able to drive those actionable insights around that to help them make better uh, forecasting decisions or um, investment decisions or even just, you know, advertising decisions as, as per usual. So um, yeah, good for them. I think this makes sense. You know, one thing when I was there was we looked at a, a, a fair amount of opportunities for for other, you know, ways that we could visualize our data set. I think this is the right time for them to be doing that. You know, perhaps then before the Outlogic acquisition was not the right time to be having all of this data visualization. So I think this makes more sense um, today than it did previously. And yeah, I'm excited to see what, what type of new clients perhaps are interested in this um, or if any existing clients will, um, you know, expand this, the type of services and use cases with Digital Envoy, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add to this. This is obviously in your in your home territory, um, but uh, I agree with what you said in terms of the timing and, uh, you know, sort of layering this on top of the Exmo now Outlogic acquisition, I think makes a ton of sense. You know, I can speak to it from, you know, the work I do with my startup, Ground Level Insights, and, and you know, all of that is based on, you know, taking data and turning it into, you know, visualizations and insights and patterns and, you know, all in a sort of anonymous uh, framework. So, you know, we certainly see the value of those types of solutions. And I think that the other thing I, I, I liked about what you said and kind of speaks to some of the things that we've been talking about on the show, you know, over the last number of months, you know, around Pepsi doing, you know, opening up its data for, you know, insights and, you know, CVS launching its own internal media network and all this kind of stuff. I think, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, they can unlock, you know, visualizations and, and reporting capabilities for people's, you know, internal data sets, I think is also interesting. Um, and, um, you know, I think there, there's a huge opportunity for that. And I think brands in particular are, are looking to, you know, find new ways, you know, and new revenue streams. So I think I think it's a good move for Digital Envoy. And uh, yeah, congratulations to, to the team over there. All right, shifting gears completely now, uh, we're going to come back to the uh, fast-growing world of QR codes, uh, which are everywhere. Um, and this time, it's Campbell's Soup Company uh, has teamed up with Universal Music. And so uh, they actually just completed uh, last, last week uh, a campaign uh, where they had specially marked cans of Campbell's Soup with uh, QR codes on them. Um, and uh, this is in partnership, as I said, with Universal Music uh, and a series of uh, cans called, uh, a, a series called M Record Labels. I don't know how you say that. It's like M with a little M and then an exclamation mark as in like, mm, so good. Um, and um, yeah, so basically you, as a consumer, you pick up one of these cans, you scan the QR code, and it takes you to a website with a curated playlist of newly recorded music from Universal Music uh, artists. Um, some of the participating artists include Julia Michaels, Peachtree Rascals, Jack Ross, Mickey Gunton. Um, and what's cool about it too, it's not just music, but the artists have also, um, shared alongside of the you know these tracks that they've put out uh, a um, personal recipe uh, of, of theirs um, you know that incorporates Campbell's soup into the recipe um, so I really like this I think it, it's um, you know we talk a lot about 
social media campaigns and other things that you know don't have a lot of reach but you know this one's kind of like interesting to me because it's you know you're getting music you're getting a recipe you're getting a way to use that product maybe that drives more sales of that product if you really like how that recipe turned out um, so so I think there's actually a lot going on here and you know I know um, in completely different thing here you know people up in Toronto most people anyways you know, are huge fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team here um, and Campbell's put out last year like you know Toronto Maple Leaf you know cans um, of Campbell's soup and so they had this partnership going and there was different collector ones for different players with their jersey numbers and da 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 da, da. and and like people were snapping these things up right um, and so I think in a similar way here you can see um, you know this opportunity of you know sort of get discover a new artist that maybe you know is interesting or cool or maybe you're already into that artist and you can kind of like you know get this new track that's coming out um, and then you get the recipe part of it too and so um, yeah I, I think it's it's very interesting um, you know to kind of have a mashup of content and and uh, something that drives you know potentially more purchases what are your thoughts well, I do agree with you that I think the fact that they do have this unique content that's available where they are combining the music and the recipes together is interesting. I don't know how much it actually is driving and it sounds like a very um, costly, uh, you know, campaign, obviously, probably a lot of heavy investment there, um, but I think it's fun. And I would definitely say the way you pronounce it is because mm, mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure their tagline is mm, mm, good or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's interesting. And, and what I do like about it is that something so traditional as Campbell's soup is venturing out and doing something that's not, you know, typical and traditional um, in this new campaign and, and how they're, you know, matching it up. And, and I know that they even mentioned that they were, looking to figure out how they could leverage nfts you know and and create like art pieces and and a different collaboration so i think that it's cool that they're experimenting and trying things that's probably my uh favorite piece of this beyond just you know the qr code it's okay <laughs> all right okay all right, so let's talk about uh, a new geo attribution platform that's been announced uh, by Starista, and they are calling this Crosswalk. So what they're doing is similar to probably a lot of companies that are out there are attributing in-store traffic uh, to digital campaigns. So what they'll be able to do is, is tie purchases directly to the digital media that ran. Um, so it's marketing attribution, providing those values across all the different channels, including they mentioned CTV, mobile, out of home and online. Um, so also they're, they're allowing their customers, brands, agencies to create uh, specific polygons, you know, geofences, if you will, around uh, points of interest and in areas and location, you know, events to extend this track, this tracking beyond just a, you know, a specific place. Uh, but kind of making it more point in time. Um, so this could be something that they're allowing allowing brands to deploy, you know, through on their own or um, through their own self-serve platform uh, that Strista has, which is called Adster. Um, so they can also use these, these signals and this information and data to create these behavioral intent-based audiences. Um, 
you know, I, I think this, this announcement is fine, right? It's, uh, you know, perhaps it, it allows them to take some market share away from competitors uh, based on who their clients are that already are using Strista for other, um, you know, other offerings. I think that what's interesting about this to me is the actual name, the, the naming that they chose for this as Crosswalk, and they've trademarked that. Uh, it's kind of basic. It's comical to me because they are using a term that everybody uses when they talk about data matching. So you say, here's all of the exposure files, right? Here's all of the, the advertising IDs that were exposed, and then they have to match those or crosswalk those with, um, you know, the measurement piece of it. So it's kind of funny that, you know, they're going to, in essence, take over a term that is very, very common that's used and trademark that. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's extremely smart or or not. I can't decide, but uh, it, that, that to me is interesting. So not anything new, not anything super exciting, perhaps again, taking some market share, you know, maybe they'll generate a little bit of new revenue here, um, but it's, you know, it's being done. It's being done. How are they doing it different or better? Not so sure, um, but yeah. Yeah, um, so I, I kind of agree with a lot of the sentiment that you just shared. I, I think that, um, you know, from a Sturista client-based perspective, uh, I think it's a good it's a good addition to their you know platform, their portfolio of solutions. I think adding this kind of attribution or measurement, you know, to their you know their ad products and things like that, you know, makes sense. You need to have that piece of it uh, as part of what you do. I think clients are demanding that in today's age. And so, you know, I think this, it's a solid move for them uh, from that point of view. I think, you know, the, um, I'll, I'll leave the crosswalk naming piece alone. I think you've covered that well. Um, I, I think the other part for me is, is that there's a lot of these attribution platforms in the market now, right? Like we've covered in this year alone, we've probably covered, I don't know, I'm going to say 50 uh, or more, right? You know, globally, uh, but there's, you know, sort of just this, you know, this growth in, in, in measurement and attribution based platforms, some on the out of home side, some on the, you know, digital media sides, you know, some on, you know, even going into, you know, sort of bridging out of home and television and other things that we've been talking about on the show lately. So I just think there's, um, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of, um, you know, stuff going on here. And so I think as a standalone solution, I think, you know, I see, you know, there's a lot of challenges ahead in terms of driving this as a uh, unique, you know, revenue offering for them, but layered on top of their existing solutions with their existing clients or using it to grow sort of their combined base. I think, uh, you know, it's a good move. So leave it at that. All right, on to our, uh, our final story here now. Uh, so we're going to jump into the world of text messaging. There's a company out there called Text Request, uh, and they've kind of updated their platform to add some new, new location features. Essentially, uh, they're targeting, um, you know, sort of the uh, remote workers, which is obviously a huge thing these days. Um, so, you know, you got frontline workers, employees, drivers, contractors, people that are not working in the office and sort of staying on top of where those people are and, and you know, what they're doing and all of that is definitely a challenge that many companies in a sort of 
post-COVID uh, world are, are, are struggling to, uh, to deal with. And so essentially um, the way it works is from within the text request platform, um, users can then uh, select a map icon and request that you know their employee or their contractor or their you know whoever um, you know sort of uh, shares their location. Um, it it sends a message to them like a text message. It appears as a text message on their phones, um, and then uh, it requests their location. They can then share their location, um, you know, sort of with a map pin kind of thing, and then. Um, you know, they, they get one-time access to their device, you know, uh, to kind of ping their GPS. So, you know, in a sort of privacy, you know, crazy world right now with the way Apple and Google and all these things are working these days, I think finding ways to sort of gain access to where people are from a geo perspective um, is getting harder. You know, I can tell you, like, you know, we've been building an app here um, in the work I've been doing lately and, you know, just getting the approvals. It's been, you know, almost three months now, like just because of, you know, sort of the strictness of health data in our case and uh, location data um, and trying to navigate, you know, what's OK and what's not OK. So I think that, um, you know, there's there's some interesting need for a solution like this to know where where your staff are where your people are um and then it, it so they basically place that one-time request they drop a pin and then it sends back a text message showing the location of that address so you know it's it, it's really great from a, a field workers perspective or if you're trying to know where you know your uber eats uh driver is or things like that um you know to sort of ping you know uh them uh, this way and get a response back um, I think is, is very interesting and to do that via text which obviously is uh, sort of bypasses some of the uh, the normal app rules if you will what are your thoughts you know what I actually really like this story I think um, I, I do believe it makes sense in terms of the the workers and, and the frontline workers in the field but I do think there's a, a strong application in the world of just loyalty and marketing and advertising um, I think there's a lot of, of text message platforms that, um, you know, when you think about the, the text campaigns, I've noticed that probably over the last year and a half or so, um, the growing trend is like you see something on Instagram, you go check it out, and immediately it asks you if you want to save, you know, a certain percentage, enter your email, but then it's not just asking for your email, then it's like, well, if you really want to save, you have to enter your you know, mobile number. So then it, you know, you opt into the text campaigns. And at that point where there are brick and mortar locations, I think that there's some excitement that you could drive in there, like share your location. We're having a pop-up sale or we're having this check the nearest location or, you know, even if it was like COVID testing or whatever it might be, like anything around that, that you could actually leverage that. And I do like that not only because it bypasses the, the app challenges, but to be honest, even from a consumer experience, if let's just say hypothetically that Apple's driver was actually privacy, which I don't think that it is 100% for these changes, it's a pain in the butt to have to give those applications um, permission all the time or change it or just once or always or never, whatever. And that it's like 10 steps. This just one quick yes, and it's one time. I like the seamlessness of that. And I like it from a consumer experience. So I can see this applying beyond that. I know it's simple, but 
Um, I think it's practical and it makes sense. And I could definitely see this being used in a more, um, you know, B2C type of a way. Yeah, and I, I can see like, I mean, we have a lot of members of the LBMA that I think uh, could benefit from, you know, a solution like this, both on the on the brand side, you know, from an advertising point of view, but but even like other tech companies within the ecosystem, I think, you know, could, could see some interesting partnerships emerge. So I like it, text request, check it out. Uh, if you need to do some, uh, find out where your people are. Um, all right, so that's our show for this week. Uh, four stories there. Uh, you've been listening and watching episode number 542 of Location Weekly. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, please reach out with feedback or story ideas or give us some likes and some love on whatever platform you're consuming this and we'll see you next week for another show. Take care. Bye.